It's not unusual to find plenty of wine caves and wine cellars in wine country. What is unusual is discovering a sophisticated broadcast facility inside these well-protected and often top-secret chambers. But maybe it really isn't that surprising that America's number one wine broadcast originates from the soul of wine country. And it is our great privilege to do all we can to inspire you. If you drink wine simply because, well, it's a drink, we've got our work cut out. For literally thousands of years, wine has fueled celebrations, ended conflicts, and provided the ultimate connection between one human being and another. It makes food taste better, lifts spirits, sparks our imagination, and beckons us to slow down and love life. If that all sounds good to you, you're in the right place. So sit back, clear your head, put any worries you have on hold, and join us as we go in search of this week's Grape Encounter. But be warned, we speak a much different language than what you typically experience in most wine-centric environments. But you didn't come here because you're ordinary, did you? Good, because your host, David Wilson, is here to take you far, far away from the beaten path. Here's David. All right, we are very near the end of the year, and I have covered some very bizarre stories throughout 2020. Uh, I think in everybody's book, this has been a real whopper. (laughs) It's just a, a crazy, crazy year, and I am so tired of doing COVID stories. I just, it's like everything that we talk about somehow comes back to COVID because it has creeped into every aspect of our lives. But today, I am so happy to report that we're going to talk about something completely different. And it's something that actually, in part, has taken place right here in my very own wine country here on the central coast of California. And what it has to do with are those crazy monoliths that are showing up all over the country. Well, it turns out the first one popped up in Utah Now, surely you folks know this story, but we'll get into more detail in just a second with my very special guest. But the first one shows up in Utah, and I'm thinking to myself, self, how come we never have cool things like that happen where I live? I mean, because it's such a bizarre story that this giant monolith shows up out in the middle of nowhere and is seen by these sheep herders or people that I guess are counting sheep. I'm surprised that they were awake. But anyway... (laughs) And then lo and behold, I got my wish because a monolith appeared right here in a Tascadero. That is the home of Grape Encounters Radio, and it is the heart of Central Coast Wine Country. And guess what? I have got the Grand Poobah of a Tascadero, her madam ship, Mrs. Mare. It is Heather Moreno, and I am so glad to have you on. I'm so glad to be here, David. In all the years I've known you, this is the first time I'm on your show. Is that really true? It is. I you and I met in 2013, so it's been over seven years, and this is this is my 
my maiden voyage. Oh my gosh. Well, let's not make it like the Titanic maiden voyage where it's just, no, it starts and ends on the same trip. But wow, you know, this is such a fun story. But before we dive into the particulars, let's just talk about Atascadero for a second because I came here, as you'll recall, because I felt like this was the perfect place to call home base for a radio show that talks about wine because Atascadero is literally centrally situated on the central coast of California, which has become one of the world's finest wine countries. And it's unpretentious like our show. There's just so much access to so many interesting people and so many interesting wineries here. So in a sense, it's become a classroom for me over the past seven years And I must say, it has not disappointed me. As a matter of fact, it's just been fun to watch this region just grow and grow and grow. Now, Heather, you've been here for how long? 16 years. 16 years. Wow. Yeah. And then when I I met you, you were a city council person, right? Yes, newly, newly on council. And did you think at that point in time that you would be the mayor of one of the most monolithic cities? (laughs) But did you ever expect that you'd be sitting where you are right now? Certainly not. Uh, (laughs) I had no thoughts of of being mayor, uh, let alone, you know, leading through some of the very challenging times that we've had and here now today with a monolith. So it's one of those things where I don't know if you ever do this, where you look back and say, gosh, if you had told me 10 years ago or five years ago that this is where I'd be or what I'd be doing, I would have said, what? What are you talking about? Well, the the unpredictability of this year is just epic. I mean, there's no question about it. And it's been very, very dark for so many people. Uh, You know, as you know, I operate a brick and mortar wine tasting room here uh, because it was designed to be a place for our listeners to come from all over the country and just come and wrap one-on-one face-to-face, but largely it's been closed for certainly the bulk of uh, 2020, but there is, of course, the vaccine around the corner, and we hope that that will change things, but you've had to deal with some really, really difficult circumstances to keep your businesses alive, especially in a community that derives a great deal of its income off of wine tourism. It has been and challenging. And I think the biggest piece is because we are a small town, you know the people. I know you, David, right? I know Paul over at Fossil Wine Bar. I met the folks at Kula. I know uh, Mike over at Ruby Cellars. And so to really know these people personally and to see the impact that it's having, that's where it, it takes it way beyond being a statistic to really that personal relationship and, and caring about people and what's happening in their lives and in their business. All right. Well, let's get into the monolith for a second here because it's a fun story. And I was frankly very, very charmed by the way that you've handled this story for a couple of reasons, which I'll, I'll mention in a moment. But just to back up, this monolith shows up in Utah, out in the middle of nowhere. And as quickly as it gets there, it disappears. And then monoliths start showing up slowly but surely around the country, one of the first of which was right here in Atascadero. And I could 
not have planned that better myself because when I looked at the morning news and I saw that I went, you gotta be kidding me. That's just absolute craziness. But basically these structures, they're, they're pretty tall structures and I take it they're pretty heavy as well. Can you just describe what these monoliths look like? Yeah, I think the one uh, here is about 10 feet tall. And, you know, the three-sided steel, uh, I want to say in the neighborhood of maybe 200 pounds, a substantial piece of art. And it winds up on the top of a place called Pine Mountain. And this is a very popular recreational area where people go and they do uh, robust hikes up there. But you got to want to get that monolith up there real bad. What is it? like? It's like two miles up, isn't it? Not quite two miles up. You can be up there in a little over a mile. You know, depending on what route you take, there's many routes, but it's steep. It's a hike for for most people to get up there. And for somebody who doesn't hike, it would be a challenge for them. So, you know, for these men to be able to haul it up there, they had to be pretty strong and have some stamina to do it. Yeah, you're assuming they were men. Do we know that? Well, I know. I do. I'm an artist. Okay. And we'll, we'll find out who those uh, folks are in, in just a second. I just wanted to mention the fact that a really dear friend of mine who is a mountain biker and a true hiker went out to the parking area this past weekend because he wanted to go up and take a look at the monolith. And he said it was so jammed. There were so many people. It's an international story. Atascadero has been on so many newscasts, has been in so many newspapers and magazines. It's such a precious story. There's so much sort of wonder and awe and excitement, sort of a distraction from what's going on today. So I think it really gave people something different to do, something different to focus on. I went up there myself and I saw so many families, you know, hiking together. In a sense, the monolith here in Atascadero is like an orange ornament on a giant Christmas tree, and it has brought a lot of joy to people, but uh, we'll talk more about the topsy-turvy history of this monolith in its very short lifetime and what's going on around the the rest of the world. When we return, I'm talking to Heather Moreno. She is the mayor of Atascadero, California, happens to be where Grape Encounters is located. And we're talking about a monolith, which has quickly become the number one attraction for visitors who just want to check out this wine country and do something completely different. So hang with me, Heather, and we'll be right back. Many wine enthusiasts describe wine as a kind of time machine that can transport you to the place and time it was created without leaving home. Whether you're sipping a Sangiovese from Italy or a German Riesling, tasting is traveling. That being said, Total Wine & More is like the world's biggest airport. With more than 8,000 wines from every corner of the world in their stores, you can be incredibly adventurous and savor every journey. Plus, you can do all of your shopping online at TotalWine.com and pick up your order at your local store or curbside for the ultimate in safe shopping. There's always more in store at Total Wine and More. In Greek mythology, we learn the mysterious connection between walnuts and wine. When Dionysus, the god of wine, fell in love with Princess Caria of Laconia... Her sisters tried to prevent the romance, so Dionysus turned them into rocks. He also turned his beloved Garya into a walnut tree. She was, after all, a hard nut to crack. 
At mmorganics.com in Paso Robles, California, walnuts and wine is the ultimate love story. You'll flip over their 100% organic port-style dessert wines and organic heirloom walnut products, including sprouted snacking walnuts in five awesome flavors, irresistible raw organic walnut butter, free-trade chocolate-covered walnuts, and for bakers, MM Organics produces 100% gluten-free walnut flour, estate walnut oil, and of course, their crazy delicious raw walnuts. Get all their products online at mmorganics.com. That's mmorganics.com. Summer is here, invigorating our state of mind and sparking desires for things that complement our playful mood. Yep, our barbecues are already working overtime, cranking out slabs of baby backs that pair perfectly with light, crisp summer sippers. And if you need a little inspiration, check out the summer wine list that no one can resist. It's Total Wine & More's Top 12 Summer Wines, featuring a truly eclectic cross-section of wines, all under $20 and many under $10. Plus, Total Wine & More is offering summer wine bundles that save you up to $24 on a variety pack of wine. And now that we've all gotten into curbside buying, you can order online at TotalWine.com and pick up your order in the store or just outside for a contactless experience. The best lineup of super low-priced summer wines is just a click away at TotalWine.com. with Grape Encounters Radio, and certainly people have been seeing a lot of strange things happen in 2020, but one of the strangest things of all, and I think actually one of the coolest, has been the sudden appearance of monoliths, not just all over the U.S., but all over the world, and I think maybe we are just looking at the tip of the iceberg. It didn't take more than a couple of days before a monolith that showed up mysteriously in a Tascadero where Grape Encounters is located became the hottest tourist attraction for people coming to our wonderful wine country here. And on the phone with me is our mayor, Heather Moreno. And Heather, first of all, the monolith showed up. A monolith found its way to Utah, right? And then I'm trying to remember if the monolith in Romania preceded Atascadero. That was number two, right? That was number two, correct. Yes, we were number three. You're in some pretty good company. So the monolith shows up on the top of a mountain and sadly... As quickly as it showed up, it disappears. Tell us about that. Yeah, that was so disappointing. We barely had time to sort of wrap our head around. People had started to go up and see it. People were making plans. Tomorrow I'm going to go hike. And then suddenly, you know, we hear that it's gone. And it was so disappointing because apparently it was some young men who drove hours to get here from, I believe, Southern California to tear it down. And they videoed the whole thing. And it was actually quite an ugly scene. And so it left us with, why would they do that? Why would they come here? Why did they feel it necessary to come kind of steal the joy that's going on? And then barely two days later to have it return was like, yay, the joy is back. (laughs) You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. (laughs) 
<laughs> that is Very a, apropos. That is as close to a Grinch who stole Christmas story as it gets. Now, the the monolith that showed up in Utah, also the one in Romania, we're not necessarily sure where those came from, but it turns out that in Atascadero, this was the work of local artists. Am I correct? Yes. Uh, local artists who, when they heard about the two, they were kind of sitting around thinking, well, in the Space Odyssey 2001, there were three monoliths, so why don't we do one? And they, they got it done in a number of hours and got it up to the top of Pine Mountain and ta-da. So, and, and when this whole thing happened, they, in talking to them, they figured that it would disappear at some point, like, you know, probably end up in somebody's dorm room. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It'd be gone. And so they didn't think anything of that. But the way in which this was taken and the video and just the ugliness behind it, they thought, we're not going to let it end that way. And so the perpetrators, if you will, had discarded it. And so they went and got the monolith, kind of fixed the things that they needed to and went back up and reinstalled it. And for them, it was really about this unity and joy for the community and and bringing people together. And so the spirit with which they've done it is really quite beautiful. Okay, so there is one thing that strikes me as odd, and it's this. I have done some construction work here in Atascadero projects. It's not always that easy to get things through the planning department and to get through all of the red tape that is, you know, typical small town bureaucracy bureaucracy or big town bureaucracy for that matter. And yet you were, I think, just mortified when they took this down and there was no discussion about, you know, permits to put it up. It's unusual, is it not, to take something that's this large and plunk it in the middle of a park without getting all of the the T's crossed and the I's dotted? You know, you're not wrong about that, David. And so certainly the city needs to evaluate that. We've gone up and assessed it to make sure, you know, number one, safety, of course, is, is the biggest concern with this, uh, such a big structure like that. We want to make sure it's safe. At first look, it does appear to be, uh, but we really need to evaluate, you know, how does this fit in with sort of the, the art vibe? You know, you've kind of got the art yeah. wine vibe that, that goes on in a Tascadero. And so how does this complement that? You know, there are probably things that we haven't even thought of. And so we do need to do some evaluating and see how we, we move forward with this. Well, I saw a comment that I don't know if it was you that made the comment or somebody had suggested bringing the monolith into town and giving it a place of honor somewhere in town. I respectfully vote no for that. I think it's, you know, the whole idea that you have to take a hike and put in a little energy to go observe this wonderful work of art. I think that's a good thing, honestly. I think it's nice. Like I said, I saw so many families and people out there hiking and being active. And and particularly at, at this time in our history, that's the one thing we can still be doing. We can be outdoors getting exercise. And I think this is a great opportunity for people to do that, to be active in some way, and just to have a distraction of all the the other things that are going on right now. Well, and one of the really big frustrations I know for me, for you, for certainly our wineries here is the fact that when we're forced to shelter in place,
place, a lot of the activities which we're known for that are wine-related just go out the window. But this one is so perfect because you're in the great outdoors, you're getting exercise, which uh, the governor has encouraged us to do, and it's really in keeping with the whole artistic vibe of wine country because where there is good wine, there is good art. I think it's just so exciting to see how this has energized a community, but what really strikes me as strange, Madam Mayor, is the fact that even though we know that this monolith was not placed there by aliens with green heads and long pointy fingers, that it's attracted massive amounts of curiosity seekers. And how do you explain that? Because the mask is off, the man behind the curtain is visible, but yet it hasn't taken any of the enchantment away from this brand new wine country destination. It really hasn't. I think because there may not be the curiosity behind it anymore, there still is an excitement. There's a specialty. Their their purpose in bringing it back, that unity, that joy, that community spirit, it really speaks to the resilience that is a Tascadero. I mean, you've been here long enough to see how we pull together as a community and how we really care for one another. And I think that these artists doing that was their way of sort of restoring that and, and exemplifying that resilience. The terrific vibe that is coming off of this is just amazing to me. And I'm glad to see that these monoliths are popping up all over the world. The The Isle of Wight now has one. I think there's one in the South that just popped up. And I think this is going to be an ongoing thing. And I hope that the momentum remains there because people have had very little to be happy about this past year. And it's just such a beautiful diversion, don't you think? I absolutely agree. And I think that's what was so disheartening when it was taken down in the way that it was, that who would do that? Like you said, the Grinch that stole Christmas. I mean, that's exactly what it felt like. And and to have this diversion, to have something delightful and joyful and get outside and do it, to be able to do Okay, so we're going to come back. I have a couple of really interesting things that I want to share with listeners about the uniqueness that is Atascadero. But, Madam Mayor, I also lost sleep last night because I was trying to figure out what wine would be most appropriate to pair with a monolith. <laughs> when that's what keeps you <laughs> well, up at night. You're very focused. I guess. All right. So you be thinking about that during the break, and we'll be right back uh, for just a couple more minutes with Heather Moreno. She is the mayor of Atascadero, California, a wonderful town that I call home and now home to one of several mysterious monoliths that are bringing joy to people during an otherwise not terribly joyous holiday. That when we return with Grape Encounters. that there's a lot more going on in the world of Grape Encounters than what you hear each week on the radio show? If your answer is no, it means that you're not as plugged into our wild, wacky, and wonderful world of wine. But we can fix that right now. I really want to share a lot more with you than what we're able to do during the weekly show, like wine recommendations, interesting ways you can play with your wine, information about upcoming wine happenings, and even recipes I've developed just for you. There are two things you can do to get plugged in. First, join the Grape Encounters Radio group page on Facebook. Make sure it's the group page. Or you can sign up for our mailing list at grapeencounters.com. 
In coming weeks, I'll be doing giveaways, offering free online parties exclusively for you, and a lot more. Please don't miss out. Connect with me on Facebook or at GrapeEncounters.com. Words can be very confusing. When you're crazy, people say that you're nuts. But what if you're crazy about nuts? Well, that doesn't mean that you should be sent to the funny farm. It means that you should be sent to the farm of MM Organics, the producers of organic heirloom walnuts and walnut products that are so incomparably unique and delicious, other nuts will be reduced to wallflowers. Whoops, there we go with those crazy meanings of words again. After all, if being a wallflower means disappearing into the background, then why does being a walnut from MM Organics mean standing out from the rest? Confused? Well, you won't be... When you discover the glorious deliciousness of walnut halves, baking pieces, fair trade chocolate covered walnuts, and other scrumptious walnut products from MM Organics. Learn more and order yours at mmorganics.com, where you'll also find our utterly irresistible two horse Portuguese dessert wine that everyone goes nuts for. Get crazy at mmorganics.com. We're back with more grape encounters. Hey, please do us an enormous favor and like us on Facebook. It's the very best way to learn about other opportunities that we may not share on the broadcast. Also, join our mailing list on GrapeEncounters.com. Listeners on our contact list receive some exclusive opportunities. Become an insider. Enough said. Here's your wine captain, David Wilson. Well, I am very, very proud to call her my friend, and I am so ecstatic that she is the mayor of our hometown, Atascadero, California. Boy, has she risen to the occasion where the appearance of one very big monolith is concerned. They've been popping up all over the globe, but we were number three here in Atascadero. It was almost a wish come true for me because I said after I saw the one in Utah, hey, how come that never happens in our neck of the woods? And lo and behold, Heather, I'm just wondering whether you were behind this now that I think about it. You never know, David. I'll keep that curiosity and mystery going. Well, I know (laughs) you have connections there. Let's talk about something that is a very unique thing about Atascadero. Atascadero is very wine-centric, and at least four times a year, there is something called the Art and Wine Walk, where we marry those two things together, and people go up and down the streets with their wine glasses, and they look at art, and they drink wine, and it makes one wonder, if you're outside of this area, how do they get away with walking up and down the street with a wine glass? But Atascadero is extremely unique in that we don't have an open container law on the books. That is true. I remember the first time I went to one of those downtown art and wine walks and I was with our previous mayor and he started walking out and I said, we have to finish this. He said, no, we don't. I said, what? And that was the first time I realized that we were allowed to have an open container, which certainly lends to being able to have those types of events. Well, I think what's so interesting about this, and it it really is a worthy topic of conversation, this lack of an of an open container law has been around forever, but it just seems interesting to me that it's something that the people here just plain don't abuse. Would you say that's fair? I would say that's fair. Yes. They, a- I, I have not heard reports from police. We haven't had complaints or anything that people abuse it. Uh, the only thing you will see is that maybe in the transient population, but I don't know that that, I mean, that isn't driven by our open container law. 
but certainly there are individuals who, you know, take advantage and, and over imbibe, uh, but really not because of this lack of an open container well, law. Well, this is something that really is a marvel to me because it's one of those things where you would think that people would just take advantage of a situation like this. But in reality, I think it's a good demonstration of how people left to their own devices, maybe if you give them a little bit of freedom, they won't take advantage of it and they will allow it to remain a good thing. So as you said, it really is that that freedom and that spirit we have here that you know, hey, this is something special about a Tascadero and people don't abuse that. Left to their own devices, they are responsible with that as much as they are anywhere else with drinking wine or, or any alcoholic beverage. So I think it's something yeah. unique to us and we're not willing to, to give that up easily. Well, and unfortunately, I guess we probably won't be seeing too many of those uh, sidewalk uh, wine events until COVID is well in our rearview mirror. But, uh, but if you do get an opportunity next year once these things come back into focus to come to a Tascadero, uh, I would say th- there are a number of things that you need to know. A, it's a wonderful uh, Norman Rockwellian town. B, it's very inexpensive to stay here, to eat here, and to enjoy here. C, it is absolutely dead smack in the middle of everything that's happening wine-wise on the Central Coast and our mayor is Heather Moreno. And that's... Uh, well, there's that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely that. Now, I, I do think that the city should consider having a yearly monolith festival. It's just a, uh, it's just an yeah. idea. And then everybody could, could put up a, a monolith uh, outside of their business, outside of their home. That could be a lot of fun. But uh, Heather, before I say goodbye to you, I, I want to talk about something that I mentioned earlier, which is what do you pair with a monolith. And I took this assignment very seriously. Do you want to throw anything out there before I jump into it? Well, I, the only thing I was thinking instead of like oak barrels that would need to be in stainless. Definitely. Okay. That, that makes sense. I mean, that's a, like, that's an obvious thing. I will bow to your expertise. No, don't, no, don't bow. But the stainless idea is, is certainly a strong one. Although it's interesting because when you look up the definition of monoliths, they're usually uh, described as being in stone, but... Um, that's, you know, so oh, concrete blonde, right? Uh, oh my gosh. I would have never expected you to utter those words, concrete blonde. What am I... No, I don't mean the band. I mean the... Oh! <laughs> the, the wine. It's a Chardonnay oh, concrete oh, blonde. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> in Paso Robles. <laughs> yes, but you obviously are familiar with the band as well. Okay, well, here's my thinking, okay? First of all, a monolith is something that is typically very tall and slender, right? Can we agree on that? Okay. Correct. Um, Monolithic basically means of one thing or of one mindset. In other words, it's like if you're monolithic, you're focused on one component. And in the case of wine, I would say one ingredient. So it would have to be a a single varietal wine. Does that make sense? Exactly. Okay. Now, um, next, it would, for me, have to be a wine that is extremely popular in our region. That would be fair. Okay, so let me tie some of these together. So it, it's going to be single varietal, uh, a wine from our region. I'm going with Zinfandel. I knew that's where you were going. And also because in the word Zinfandel is the word fun. <laughs> okay, but, Perfect. But not just any 
Zinfandel, and here's why. I think it has to be a late harvest Zinfandel. You know why? No. Well, because if you ever look at a late harvest wine bottle, typically they're smaller than a 750 milliliter bottle. Mm -hmm. So they're tall and they're thin like the monoliths. Uh, I see where you're going. Yep. And there's a good chance that late harvest will mean that it was not aged in oak, but maybe just in stainless. So that's me putting the whole thing together. So somebody we check all the boxes. Yeah, somebody out there is going to have to come out with a late harvest Zinfandel, and that, by the way, means sweet, folks. Uh, if you're not familiar with late harvest wines, and also bear in mind that the monoliths started showing up at the end of our harvest season. So it even mm-hmm. fits with late harvest even more. Am I reaching? <laughs> you know, you're reaching, but it's perfect. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, Heather, I'm sorry, by the way, that I haven't had you on in all of these years. Uh, you have some very able spokespeople who have done a great job, like uh, Terry Banish, our uh, deputy city manager, who does a lot of these duties. But from now on, we're going to have you on a lot more. And I'm going to be catching up with you in the very near future to find out what's going on with our monolith. So far, it's safe and sane and and nobody's bothered it? As far as I know, it's still good and solid where it is. Okay, so this is the thing that you can do when you come to Central Coast Wine Country. You can come see the Atascadero monolith. I, I hope they pop up all over the world. It is just a wonderful thing that people have been able to get behind. And you can just picture all the little who's in Whoville with their um, hands uh, touching one another around or holding hands around the monolith and singing that, um, what is that song? And by the way, I'm just going to end it with this, Heather. I didn't even realize it until this very second as I look at you via Zoom, how much you actually look like Cindy Lou Who. (laughs) Well, thanks for ending on that, David. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to come back with more Grape Encounters in just a second. We're going to talk about some fun wine-related things. I'm trying to make this a fun show. So I've got more fun as we make our way toward the what will be probably a very strange Christmas holiday. But we're going to make the best of it all the same. Heather, thanks so much for being on with me and sharing a bit of levity here. This was great fun. I'm so glad that you asked, David. Uh, It's my pleasure. You're one of my favorites, and I am so glad to call you a friend and a supporter. We're going to be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. And we're coming to you from beautiful Atascadero, California. This is the time of year when leaves and wardrobes aren't the only thing that change color. Wine preferences tend to darken up. Cold, crisp whites are already making way for fall favorites like Pinot Noir and luscious California Zin. Tropically tinted New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs won't migrate south just yet, and rosés will also remain resilient well into turkey time. But folks like me who've enjoyed lighter fare in the backyard all summer will venture out and take a cab almost everywhere we go. Now there's no doubt about this fall phenomenon. It's a time when wine enthusiasts get more adventurous and try things outside of their comfort zone. And if your comfort zone could use a little reimagination... Let the experts at Total Wine & More show you just how much adventure there is to discover among their inventory of 8,000 or more wines in every store. You can still enjoy their legendary customer experience in-store or make an evening of exploring the world of wine from the comfort of your cozy couch. Load up your shopping cart, stop by the store, and Total Wine will rush your order to curbside. 
Once you immerse yourself into an online total wine discovery mission, you'll quickly fall in love with the incomparable wines you can access so easily and affordably. See what I mean at TotalWine.com. If you're a frequent Grape Encounters radio listener, you know that our show is all about inclusiveness. For far too long, wine consumers have felt left out, simply because a small minority of, well, let's call them out, wine snobs have dominated the conversation. For 12 years, it's been my mission to give you, the wine enthusiasts that just want to have fun, a front row seat to everything that's cool about wine. And while we have a very intimate thing going on here, I've been thinking that we can take things where no radio or TV program has gone before. And so beginning next week, I'm inviting you and your friends to get together with me for a private online party. This isn't a big streaming free-for-all event. It's you, me, and your guests. You decide what you want to talk about, we'll set a time, then it's party time. So email me using the contact form at GrapeEncounters.com. Tell me a little bit about how we can make this fun for you, and I'll respond to as many requests as I can. Just drop me a note at GrapeEncounters.com. Even though I spend almost every waking hour trying to track down all things wine, Total Wine & More is impossible to keep up with. That's because they have a team of experts constantly searching every corner of the world for amazing wines priced so you can enjoy them on any occasion, like tomorrow. They're always busy forging relationships with the best producers so that they're able to provide exceptional wines that are exciting and new to you at incredible savings. And of course, your faves will be there too. New discoveries, must-have favorites, and more than 8,000 choices to explore online with your handy device while you soak up some shade. Visit Total Wine & More in person, or if you prefer a contactless experience, order online at TotalWine.com and pick up your order in the store or curbside. And for awesome summer wines, all under $20 and many under $10, be sure to check out their summer wines list at TotalWine.com. All right, so here's a weird question for you. What in the world does going away for the weekend with your grandparents as a kid have to do with coping with the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, I'm glad you asked. In order to answer that question, however, I have to share with you something that I have been observing a lot these days. As you know, I do have a wine tasting room and for most of the last year, we have only been able to open sporadically. But there's one thing that is certain. Each time we open, I get a request for something that I seldom, if ever, get requests for and it's sweet wines. And I found myself just scratching my head wondering, why is everybody asking for sweet wines? Most of the time, you can't get rid of them. And now everybody wants them. And so I wanted to try to understand what this phenomenon is all about. And it does, in fact, go back to those days and weekends away with your grandparents, where you were taken to ice cream stores, where you were given candy, where your parents said to their parents, whatever you do, don't give them snacks and treats. They're not allowed to eat it. And guess what? Grandma and grandpa completely ignored those rules. They did whatever the heck they felt like because they knew and you knew that they were not going to get punished by mom and dad. So here's the deal. 
What psychologists tell us, and there have been lots of studies about this subject, is that those delicious rewards that we got as children actually were imprinted in our brain for life. And that is why when we're feeling depressed, when we're feeling unloved, when we're feeling like a failure, one of the first things that we do is turn to sugar. And why is that? Well, it turns out we do that because the same pleasure center in your brain that is stimulated by drugs, stimulated by music, even stimulated by sex, is stimulated by sugar and also, I might add, stimulated by alcohol. And when you put sugar and alcohol together, you got a double whammy there. So when you're really feeling down and decide that you want to consume something that's going to make you feel better, you want to get instant gratification, what do you do? You turn to sweet. And if you're an adult, you turn to sweet wines, which is why there has been a run on sweet wines over this past year, like nothing I've ever seen before. And sales statistics bear out this idea that we are moving away from dry wines, probably not permanently, but we are going to sweet wines for solace and it is making us feel better. Now, I must say this, it is a temporary fix because what happens is we get this instant gratification. We feel better, maybe momentarily, maybe for a couple of hours, maybe for a couple of days, and then you get on the scale and you go, oh man, what did I do? And now you feel depressed. And so what do you do next? <laughs> you fight the depression by going after more sweet stuff. And in this case, sweet wines. But I will tell you this. There is nothing wrong with it. Nothing at all. Now, 12 years ago, I remember myself mocking people who drank white Zinfandel. I was terrible. I mean, I was actually mean at times to people who would drink that because, you know, they'd pay seven or eight dollars for a bottle of this stuff and they'd have a big old grin on their face. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, how can they get that much pleasure out of something that's so cheap and is mass produced? But the answer to the question lies in tasting the wine because in actuality, it is pretty tasty. You know, it's a lot like just getting one of those cheesy shakes at McDonald's. You know, it's not the perfect milkshake, that's for sure. But it brings back something that made us feel good some time ago. It recreates that feeling of satisfaction and happiness. And so it's not that bad after all. But if you're a person who cannot stoop that low, that's in your mind, not mine, okay, but if you just feel like, you know, I can't go down to that level, there are lots of really wonderful sweet wines that you should consider. First and foremost is the Moscato de Asti. Now, if you haven't had a true Moscato from Italy, then you are missing the boat because they're totally delicious. They're incredibly cheap. And frankly, they're really, really well made. So if you haven't had one or you haven't had one in a while, uh, now is the time to uh, check it out. Another one that you might want to try is Tokai Azu. Now, this is a white wine that is made from a grape called Ferment. And it is affected by what we call the noble rot, which is Botrytis cinerea. And it creates this really rich golden white wine that is so delicious, so beautiful, 
but not exactly cheap because these wines will cost you like 50 bucks. Now, there are a lot of the usual suspects out there that you can certainly have some fun with. Sauternes is definitely one of them. But what I really like are the German wines that are sweeter, like the Bierenauslese Riesling. It's interesting, in Germany, the sweeter a wine gets, the higher the price is because they value those sweet wines because what they have to do is pick those grapes just one grape at a time because there are not that many of them available to create these very, very special wines. So they'll come in a small bottle, they'll come at a high price, but they're delicious. A little cheaper is an ice wine that you can get from Germany or also get it from the Niagara region, just north of the border above uh, upstate New York. Those you definitely want to try. Uh, the last thing I would mention is port because ports are beautiful. They will satiate your hunger for something sweet. But just remember there are ruby ports and there are tawny ports. And if it's all about sweet with you, Stay away from the tawny ports because they're going to have that oxidized quality that is not always delicious to some people. All right, those are just some suggestions for you. But the main thing here, the takeaway is if sweet makes you feel better, then by all means, do that to get through the COVID-19 pandemic. Nobody's going to make fun of you. And as a matter of fact, you might be able to buy a couple of bottles of something sweet and make some new friends. This edition of Grape Encounters has been brought to you by Total Wine & More. When Total Wine & More challenged themselves to keep more than 8,000 wines on hand, they pioneered a consumer experience that 99.999% of the population would have thought was impossible. It was an undertaking that I still can't totally get my arms around today. But I've spent many hours of my personal time being that adult kid in a candy store, using my mouse to learn about their extremely affordable top 20 wines of the year, or learning eye-opening details about the iconic winemakers behind Total Wine's Legends of Wine collection. TotalWine.com is an online resource so rich with content, it's hard to imagine a more satisfying wine-related experience. Spend all the time you want at TotalWine.com or at your nearest store. Just make sure you're back here with me at this same time next week for another Grape Encounter. Mm -hmm.